What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another week of the Rideshare Rodeo Audio Podcast, episode number 281. Let's start off with two stories um, from last week. Then we're going to jump into some uh, things that I've been looking into um, end of the weekend, kind of into uh, Monday. And, And yeah, we'll talk about some of that too, but... Let's hit on these two stories first. The YouTube creator who was a prankster and was in the mall in Virginia. I think it was outside Dulles. Um, But they got into a confrontation. They were trying to um, start things with random people in the mall, inside of a shopping mall. And they started it with the Dasher. Um, There was a door Dasher in there picking up some food. It's really interesting to watch this video because there's so many different takes on this thing and it's completely strange. Um, Being a rideshare driver for years and uh, working in bars for years and whatnot, I get wanting to be secure. I get um, wanting to feel safe. But there were two people that were was it's a youtube channel and actually his channel is up and running again he now has he's he's running videos again but what happened was he got in if you haven't seen it he got into the door dasher's face and you're not hearing the words but he keeps kind of he's a big guy he keeps kind of shoving the phone in the dasher's face and in the mall as he's as the dasher is stepping away from the counter from getting the food he kind of uh he kind of gives him that last shove of the thing. And and it's kind of, it, this is where I feel like it's weird. Because if you watch the footage slow, the Dasher's carrying the food really oddly. Like he almost knew like he was going to have to do this. And he's walking away. And as he's walking away, he pulls out a gun and shoots the YouTuber in the stomach. In a mall, in, inside mall. And this isn't like an open air mall or... Um, This is inside of a mall. I get if you're threatened the right to defend yourself. I get that. I get the right to carry a weapon. I get that safety comes first. I get that you need to protect yourself. I've watched this video about 50 times and I just, I'm torn. I am torn. I'm I'm not saying he was right or wrong. Personally, after watching it about 50 times, Again, I get it. And there were two people. The one guy that was getting in his face was a lot bigger than him. However, he's walking. The thing about him walking away is really weird to me because it seems like you'd be head on 
in a, like you would have turned and maybe dropped the food even or something if it's going to come to that. He's still holding the food and he, he's walking away and he pulls the gun and just shoots him in the stomach. Point blank range. The guy goes in the hospital. The guy gets out of the hospital and he's now creating YouTube content again. And one thing that really bothered me, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. Uh, there's a video on the channel. Um, you guys can't miss it. Um, but the mother of the YouTuber who got shot said, it, even after all this and after he's out of the hospital, she's saying she supports him, whatever he wants to do. And, you know, I was, I'm a little torn on that part too, because that mom shouldn't, I mean, she probably, if he's, if the kid's old enough, he can do what he wants, but she shouldn't be openly publicly supporting anything that led to this because his channel is very, this is what he does. And these pranksters are going way too far. You know, I used to think this was just like a TikTok thing and maybe it would be short-lived. I don't think it's going to be short-lived. I think that, in fact, I think these are getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago we were talking about these people who are who are not steal. Well, they, again, a, a, a very <laughs> controversial issue that they're moving cars in parking lots. If somebody leaves a car running, they go move it and hide it. To me, that's stealing the car and you're going to, you know, be careful because somebody might have a gun and might shoot you for getting in their car. These these pranks or whatever these people on YouTube and TikTok are thinking, I don't get it. There's all kinds of different ways to make and grow a TikTok channel on crazy things even, you know, um, but this is getting crazy, crazy, crazy. And look at this guy. I mean, he gets shot. He's now already creating again. By the way, the, the guy who shot him inside of a mall was acquitted of the, of the charges. He did have one charge land on him about something about the gun in, in, in public or inside of the mall or I can't, you know, bottom line is, is I, I really don't care too much about what the one thing that he was charged on because it was like out of the five charges, it was, it was like the littlest one, which means an entire jury saw his side of it. And, you know, I, I would love to see the, I would love to, I would watch that whole court case to see what happened and, and exactly what was said that convinced an entire jury, hey, let's just acquit this guy. Because he did shoot him point blank range into the stomach. So, um, you know, was he right? I don't know because we, we really don't hear the words. I just, the more and more I watch it, it's, you know, it's not 3 a.m. in an alley coming out of a bar like I've done many times. It's not rideshare at 4 a.m. Um, dealing with the drunks who can't get anywhere and you're going weird places and they called a ride for a buddy so it's not even them. So you have a concern and... They get into the car on the on the driver's side and sit right behind you at 4 a.m. These are weird things where I can see maybe you're more on guard to have that gun and have it ready. It doesn't matter. This this guy has the right to protect himself. I, I would ask for all of you, if you've seen it, please comment in the show notes what you think. Was the guy was the guy right or was it overkill? And I really would like to know, was it right or was it overkill? Because I just I just would like to hear your opinions because I'm torn. I'm torn. I get that he has the right to do it. I ha 
we haven't been privy to hear the whole testimony from court yet. And the articles coming out aren't really reading the, you know, exactly what happened in court. So we don't know. We just know he was acquitted of all these charges. In a mall, there's kids, there's this, that, the other. And he's pulling out a gun, shooting a guy at point blank range who didn't have a weapon. So, I mean, if it was just verbal assault, okay. I don't know. Again, I would love to hear what you guys have to think because maybe that'll help me wrap my head around it. The other thing, and we got we to gotta hit this quick, but you guys, um, on the round table, you guys can go listen to it. We talked about this. Cruise Autonomous and Waymo. And I think there's a third one in San Francisco that's running right now too. There's three cities that are live right now. There's Austin, Texas. Um, there is San Francisco. And there's Phoenix, Arizona. Those all have unmanned driverless cars, autonomous, that by all standards, by all metrics, do not meet the safety requirements of an autonomous vehicle to be on the road without a person. This is baffling to me. So we knew that the governor of California, Newsom, he wanted, he made a deal about, San, let's talk about San Francisco because that's what this story is. He made a deal to have these autonomous vehicles in San Francisco. Clearly, a lot of money gets funneled in if you allow these vehicles. So they only come out at night. I think they roll out about 8 p.m. And they have specific routes they can take. Now, people are doing drugs in them. They're having sex in them now. It's a whole nightmare. But the fire department, the police department, the fire chief, the police chief, the mayor of San Francisco for months have been screaming to get these things out of the city, that they are a hazard, a nightmare, that they're causing problems, they're causing accidents, everything and everything. They're just not ready. They're not road ready. And we know we're not there. But the live testing thing is just baffling to me. Like, why would we do this? So this is an odd story. So a pedestrian is cross. So there's a walkway. A pedestrian is crossing the street outside of the walkway. And it's, it's a three or four lane road. And as they come across the street, a car... Um, so they're almost, you know, they're, they're crossing the street and a car coming this way clips them with what would be the passenger side door. This car has a driver in it. So kind of like bumps them with the mirror kind of thing and pushes them into the other lane. So they're still kind of standing, but you know, I mean, not really, I mean, they're, they've been knocked into the other lane, but that car takes off. Now there's a cruise autonomous driverless in that other lane that the person was knocked into the cruise autonomous hits the person rolls over them and stops has them pinned under the car the police the fire department had to come they had to use like jacks jaws of life wood blocks to get this car up off this person i don't know her current state this just happened and again now there now you have the county commissioner who wasn't fully on board before saying, get these things out of this city now. And we already know what happened, or I've already looked into it. So they like having the three testing cities. They're gonna, they're about to lose San Francisco. San Francisco's had it. And even though the governor made the decision, having the mayor, the fire chief, the police chief, and now the, the county commissioner all on the side of get these things out of here. 
they have to go. So one of the cities that uses drivers in these autonomous vehicles is um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte will be going to driverless. They will be taking over what San Francisco has done. So they're basically moving the program from San Francisco to Charlotte, North Carolina, and saying, you know, I mean, clearly Charlotte gets money, the city gets money for this, but it puts the citizens at danger. So again, please comment in the comments below. Should autonomous be testing live with people without drivers in them, without safety drivers, when we know 100% the cars do not operate at a level that is safe on a day-to-day -day basis? And there's so many variables. By the way, guys, just so you know, these cars learn. So it it's like with age they get in more intelligent, but that's not something you can pass on to the next car. Each car has to learn. So what do we know about cars? As they get older, they die. So this is getting very, very messed up. I'm, af I'm afraid we're going to start to see it in more and more and more cities. Um, you know, I, I believe that this all is just wrong. There's other ways to go about this, but they're trying to get ahead of themselves and we're just not there. We're just not there. I mean, is this even a debated thing? Are we are we there? I mean, does anybody else does anybody else think we're there at all? Um, I think we've talked about this enough times. And even if you know you're like, well, that's one example or one example. I think we've done enough examples on this show alone um, over the past 280 plus episodes now, where we've talked about different autonomous failures that don't meet any kind of standards. Period. And I think that's part of the biggest problem, really, because I think that autonomous has no, like I always, you guys have heard me use the example about creating a city. Okay, if it can't be that, we at very minimal need a standard. We need a standard by which the, I think it's, you know, 90 some odd autonomous vehicle companies. And I'm sure there's more smaller ones, but there's like 90 plus worldwide that we know about doing major testing. There needs to be a standard of entry or a barrier that somehow defines how they work with each other. But see, because of the technology and wanting to keep it, you know, harnessed to each company and not let their tweaks and secrets out, they won't share any of that. Yet there's no level, there's no way for us to like across the board go, does it pass, does it meet these metrics to be testing with a with um, a driver, so you know engineer testing level, uh, driver testing level, or is it full autonomous? Maybe like in areas that people aren't. Again, that's what I believe. But I mean, like even if it's going to be where people is, at least a barrier of entry that determines have are you meeting all the standards? Like we know the lidars have failed. The best lidar that that's out there that they're using just doesn't work. I mean, weather throws it off, snow throws it off, ice throws it off, rain throws it off. Um, you know, cones stop the vehicles. Um, these things need to be addressed. And if, if, if they can't pass those metric tests, then the autonomous testing should end. I mean, at least on if they're trying to go up a level, the company, and be one of the bigger ones doing live tests. Because if you're going to do live testing, there has to be a barrier there has to be a level of entry i mean there just does I mean, clearly there isn't one right now but there needs to be one
Another couple things that we will be following here in the coming weeks, obviously. Um, Uber is working with taxi companies in in the state of California. Started in San Diego. They're working their way up to the Los Angeles metro area, other rural areas, and um, I'm guessing San Francisco not too long from now, although I know that's a big fighting ground for um, the unionship of keeping them apart. However, this is Yellow Cab. Yellow Cab is working directly with the Uber platform, like we saw in New York City. Uh, as shocking as it might be, it's it's happening. You know, there's it's kind of, it's kind of uh, interesting, you know. But at the same time, it's it's extremely confusing because Uber was what put the taxi. I mean, again, we've talked about this on several occasions. The taxi taxi industry was beat up and hit already beaten to the ground, really hadn't had any good luck in a long time. And, um, you know, I think that's clearly that's why Travis Kalanick uh, started Uber and saw the need because he, he saw the, you know, his vision for, you know, people don't want to take taxis anymore, but people need rides. And so that, you know, hence Uber. But that's what made them the disruptors. That's what made them hated around the world by taxi companies. Uh, was that it was kind of the nail in the coffin. So it's kind of weird to see them, especially in California now, um, letting Uber, um, Yellow Cabs be booked through the Uber platform. I think we we know what Uber does. They come in when they make deals like this. They get the better end of it and um, usually walk away with all the kinds of data they want. Where are the biggest pit hotspots? Where are these Yellow Cabs sitting? They, they walk away with all of the data nodes they want. So I don't know. I, I always feel like these are part-time, um, you know, part-time uh, money injections to maybe the cab drivers. And a court, of course, if you look at the time of year, we're rolling up into the holidays. So the, like, they do it for the next three months. They're going to take all the data away. They'll help the drivers out during those three months. But it's like the extra nail in the coffin after if they remove yellow cab option from the Uber app. So, I don't know. Is it a win? I, I don't know. To me, I don't think so. Because I think that um, it's a short incentive for the yellow cab drivers. And it's a long-term win for Uber and other companies that might get away with this kind of thing. Uh, speaking of which, you know, I, I, hope the, I hope the best for Lyft. I don't think David Risher is going to be able to make uh, the, the real big moves that are needed for Lyft to kind of make a change in the industry, which is sad because without Lyft around, other companies are going to have to step up, which I'm all for, but um, Lyft has the biggest potential to, um, you know, distract or um, be be in good business against Uber. And uh, if Lyft for any reason were to go away, you know, you'd have a bunch of startup companies and you'd, we'd probably see some very much succeed in some cities. I don't think that we'd ever see a, another Uber, though. Lyft is about the only one, especially here in the United States, because there are big ones. You know, there's Didi um, and then there's, you know, ones over um, abroad, other ones that, that do very well, you know. But Via down south... Um, <clears throat> However, here in the United States, Lyft is really the only true rideshare platform that keeps Uber from being a, what would I what I would consider a um, 
a nationwide monopoly. Like without Lyft, Uber would have would monopolize the rideshare department, even with startups in cities, even if those startups started outperforming Uber in some cities. We know in a lot of cities, Uber can keep tabs on that. And if one started to outperform them, they'd either buy them or they'd just undercut the prices on them until they couldn't stand anymore. But some would squeak by and some some might work. Uh, you never know the city um, <clears throat> and the people in it. Excuse me, guys. My, my voice is just destroyed. <clears throat> um, John just coughed on your head. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, so the um, hate returning packages, Uber will now do it for you. Uh, I can't believe this is back again, guys. We've talked about this, Uber Connect. Um, I don't even know if that's what they're calling it. it. It doesn't seem really that clear. They're more talking about package return, and I believe it's because Uber Connect, you know, if you if you Google search news Uber Connect, you're going to pull, especially if you go way back dating to like 2017, 18 when it started, you're going to get a lot of drug deal stories and how these drug deals have gone bad and there were task forces. So again, we're returning to a way of doing Uber Connect low pay um, for returning packages, but you won't know what's in those packages. You will have no idea what you're carrying. So again, just like we always say, don't take the minors. Um, you know, I, w- I would think real heavily if you want to be taking the packages too. Um, you know, me personally, I'll take them from like a curry um, or like a platform like that where it's more of a B2B or at least some kind of, you know, somebody else is, is, is saying that I feel comfortable with is saying, yes, go ahead, take this. Cause I don't think that Uber even knows the rules and if it's okay. So, um, with that said, I would personally, I would stay away from it, but, um, we'll see. Huh? So one thing we'll get into next week is, um, there's a few articles out about it now, but I want to do a little more exploring before we talk about it. Uh, the robo firings going on, specifically at Uber. Um, two drivers are about to cost the company six hundred thousand, um, but it could end up costing Uber, I mean, ridiculous amounts of money. Um, but these robo firings are a big deal. You guys can look into that uh, yesterday on the website rideshareradio.com, which still takes you redirects you over to uberliftdrivers.com. Everybody. So uberliftdrivers.com, if it doesn't redirect, is still the website every single day for the past however many years. Um, there's been an article posted. I don't miss a day. Um, these days, they're just re-aggregated. Um, middle of, of last year, uh, at least all of this year, is just kind of re-aggregated. Um, the stories aren't, you know, it's it's just the daily, like, fishing net of stories. So every day, it's worth going and checking them out. Yesterday's um uh the 9th of October uh was you know the robo firings article is in there uh the dominance of Uber um uh, as a mono- as what could be a monopoly is in there that's another story that just kind of relates to something we just discussed and then um the greater pittsburgh community food bank DoorDash working together with low income seniors um, Instacart providing grocery stipend, um, Medi-Cal members getting uh, Instacart or other delivery services, uh, SNAP benefits on Instacart. Are you? Are we seeing a trend here? 
Um, because what it seems like to me, we already know Instacart has Snap around the country, and that's the first time a single platform has ever had the Snap benefits around the entire country. Um, but it seems to me like a lot of these platforms, even Uber Eats is going to take um, food stamps and other things. And um, there's nothing wrong with this, but my concern becomes the drivers because if it moves to a program of simply low income, is there going to be the ability to really maximize earnings or is it going to be simply a here's what you can make at most an hour and it's going to be a lot lower than what the hustlers out there can make? That's my big um, issue with this is that it's not just one platform. It's like all of the platforms fighting right now, the space they're fighting for are getting um, senior benefits and SNAP program and low income um, um, food distribution. And uh, there's nothing wrong with any of this. However, we drivers don't work for a charity. So a lot of times these programs have been dealt with by charities, but they don't have enough people to run them these days. So if they're passing the buck onto Uber and Instacart and all of this, there should be a a stipend, and I'm not a big person for stipends, but there should be a stipend by Uber, Instacart, and all this for doing that because you are not, you're not a nonprofit. Uber can take some hits like that if it gets them the client base and the and the market share of whatever they're trying to get. But you are not an you're not a nonprofit. Maybe maybe you are. Maybe you're the one driver out there, delivery guy shopper, I don't know, but most of us who are independent contractors are not nonprofits. Um so, you know, the only nonprofit I know is she's actually in the traditional gig space. Yes, we've had her on the earlier podcast and on probably a couple others too, a round table or two, is my friend Gail Gordon out in California who owns the Numi Opera House. And, you know, we all know that A B five destroyed um her ability to run that opera house as she prefers to and has the right to. But she's traditional IC too. As far as gig apps, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I have no problem with those programs being inserted into the platforms. I don't want to see that the platforms become about those programs. That's that's my fear because... Um, yeah, I don't think I don't I honestly don't think any of us would want that, you guys. I mean, I don't know. I know this is me personally, but at the same time, I feel like I can say that. Uh Yeah, excuse me everybody. My voice is uh just destroyed. My throat is just destroyed, so I'm trying to recover here. <coughs> but maybe I'm not sound. my ears are but have been ringing. I don't know. I've got some head cold thing going on, but anyway. Um, let's move into this Minnesota um, rideshare future um, looking undetermined, basically. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Jack O'Connor. Um, he writes for the Minnesota Daily. And, you know, he, he wrote about this, I think it was t- uh, October 9th, it was yesterday. Driver pay and ride costs are all in question after efforts in recent months to improve rideshare driver working conditions failed. The Minneapolis City Council passed an ordinance in August that would have increased rideshare driver pay and protections, but it was vetoed by Mayor Jacob Frey 
after Uber and Lyft threatened to stop service in January. Frey said he supports a pay increases to the drivers, but had problems with the wording of the ordinance and how little time was spent debating it. This renewed effort will split the previous ordinance into two, one to increase driver pay and the other to improve driver protection and rights. Councilmember Robin Wansley, Ward 2, who co-authored the ordinances, said she hopes it will pass as soon as October 16th. Wansley said rideshare companies can do what they want, but drivers need to be fairly compensated. Um, Uber and Lyft could absolutely use those profits to make sure that drivers are being paid fairly. And also, riders are able to affordably use their services, Wansley said. If they decide to do something else, that's their decision. That's not the responsibility of the city, end quote. University student and frequent Uber rider Shia uh, Bintliff said if prices go up, he thinks uh, he will think twice uh, before calling an Uber. It would be at minimum give me a lot more pause to use them. I think it would uh, for sure reduce my usage, says Bintliff. After vetoing the first ordinance, Frey reached an agreement with Uber to ensure driver pay matches the Minneapolis minimum wage of $15. Frey did not reach a similar agreement with Lyft or any other rideshare company. Joe Pierce, an Uber driver of 10 years and a contributor at the Rideshare Guy, which covers news and gives advice of rideshare drivers, we know Harry, what's up Harry, Uh, said fears over the rising costs of rides are warranted, Pierce said he believes Uber and Lyft will push the cost onto the riders if if these are passed. 100% agree with that. Um, I think we all do, in fact. Um, the ridership will go down, so there will be fewer rides to be had, but drivers will be making more per ride. So drivers overall should be uh, more well off. That I don't. I, that I don't know if I agree with, um, because I don't. Uber still is going to take a, I mean, they're not going to go to making sure all of they're, they're going to cut. This is a floor ceiling thing with me, but I, but I, but I do, I mean, there's legislation coming in every state. We know this. I just don't know if the Minnesota one is the greatest example because they're going for the whole space too. Um, I know that my friend Sergio over at the rideshare guy, he often says, you know, how he likes the Washington one that was just to help rideshare drivers. I do believe that's a better start anyway with the legislation because the rideshare drivers have had it coming for a while and they should fall under the TLC. They should be under the Taxi and Limousine Commission because they are ensuring that they're following the standards set to rideshare. Rideshare is still called independent contractorship, although many times on this podcast as well as with other people, I have debated the fact of should there be a hybrid and that needs and in my opinion that needs to happen right now you guys this hybrid model needs to be defined because here we are setting legislation in every state but we have never ever defined what an actual gig worker is so without doing that first how can you write the legislation you know i to me that's very that's very scary because clearly i i would think everybody can agree with this 
or should and should be able to understand this and see this. If you're writing legislation before you've defined the space, you're clearly making the drivers a loser. That's clearly to the advantage of the companies. Or and or the states. It allows for agreements between the companies and the states. But what's best for the drivers is to have a definition of what are we. Even if it's you're an you're an independent contractor, but you're a hybrid model one. And here's how it'll work. That needs to be done. And I think that would really help any of the legislation coming, if not halted in a lot of states. However, um, let's move back to this. So Uber and Lyft made eight point six billion and four point one wait. Uber and Lyft made eight point six billion and four point one billion in revenue in twenty twenty two according to released financial reports. So you guys can do the math on which one was which. I, I wonder if that's, is that global? Because Lyft is only here in the U.S. So is Lyft making $4.1 billion? Uber Global made $8.6 billion? That doesn't make sense. But maybe this is just for the United States. I, I, for some reason, it doesn't say here. Um, so pr- the president of the Minnesota Uber Lyft Drivers uh, Association Uh, said livable wages and better working conditions are necessary for drivers. Uh, Again, he is talking about rideshare specifically. Drivers deserve and they need to get the same fairness and protections that every other worker gets. You know, I, again, I think this is where you start to push that line a bit. But if we're just talking about rideshare drivers, why shouldn't it just say the same fairness and protections that every other driver under the TLC in Minnesota gets because saying the same fairness and protection that every other worker gets isn't even the same as what is applied to the TLC, which is the taxi and limousine commission. Taxi and limousines live by a different standard. I agree with Sergio in the term of get the rideshare drivers under that agreement, but see the wording here, and this is even in a quote, the same fairness and protections that every other worker gets that doesn't make sense to me because you're you're even in the same sentence talking about drivers. If the TLC is involved, it should be the same. This wording should very clearly say the same fairness and protections that every other driver under the TLC in Minnesota gets. That's exactly how it should be spelled out. Further, Wansley said that more time and greater collaboration with the mayor and council. Um, she is confident the new ordinances will pass without a veto. Uh, we didn't take, uh, and she's talking about the veto, as a setback, Wansley said, drivers need their rights and their pay. While all drivers are affected by poor working conditions, rideshare companies employ many immigrants who are at higher risk of low pay and fewer protections, according to Ali. He added that unlike other professions, Uber and Lyft have not improved pay for more than a decade. The inflation and the cost of living has been skyrocketing, Ali says. I don't know any other profession that is similar to Uber and Lyft drivers are go, uh, to, that are similar to what Uber and Lyft drivers are going through. That's because you don't have them defined and you're trying to write damn legislation. Define them. Put them under the same category as a taxi and limousine driver. Let the TLC then be responsible for it. This is at least for rideshare. But I believe rideshare is the best start because I think if you let the legislation get ahead for all gig workers on all apps, 
we're going to have the same problem that California did, which is even Sergio, who lives in California, says 22 is a fail. Why? Because 22, they're making money on 22, potentially. Uh, the companies, that is. Um, also, it's very impossible, actually, to audit these companies. So to go through and try and pull rides. However, we have heard of, and Sergio and I discussed, drivers being audited in the Portland, um, Oregon area. So I guess under Oregon law, but they were Portland drivers who had actually the same kind of like stuff, same kind of like receipts or whatever they've been using for mileage tracking and all that as like I use or other drivers who are veteran back to 2015 app stuff use. And that was considered not enough. And they got fined thousands of dollars on their taxes for not having the detailed information when really they're, yes, they're your clients that you take. And again, I'm specifically speaking of rideshare here, but this dashers, all of you, anybody in the gig economy should be listening to this because same thing. Yes, they're your customers because you don't, even dashers, you don't work for the restaurant. You don't work for DoorDash. You work on a per-order basis. And you're being handed these orders by a algorithm. But if you get audited, you can't even say who your customers were because those documents are not given to you. You're just giving your write-offs, your totals, and then you just claim a bunch of miles. And if they come in and say, well, where did these miles come from? And you're like, well, here's my stride export or here's my, you know, whatever you might use for um, hurdler uh, that does my taxes. And I do the mileage tracker in there too. They don't, they'll take that and go, well, that's fine. But you claimed 200 miles this day. How, how many clients did you have? Well, I did 30 deliveries. Okay, well, who were those clients? I have no idea. Well, that doesn't work for us. Boom, fine. And that's what happened to drivers up in the Portland area. And this is the this is local state tax uh, audits. Say, no, that's that doesn't cut it. That is not enough for an independent contractor to have. Again, why I say this independent contractor space has got to be defined. I mean, we cannot keep going like this. We cannot keep just saying, yes, you're an independent contractor, but now we're starting to see what happens when you lose the lottery, knock wood, and you get a, you know, an audit drawn. Are you prepared for an audit? See, I do a lot of last mile courier. I can actually pull up each uh, courier, curry one that I've done. I can get my, I can export my curry data and, you know, there's a lot less trips in a day, but they pay a lot more. But even on those there's connection numbers that actually lead to something and can be proven from a shipping standpoint that that work was done. So that can be audited easier. However, I multi-app like all of you. I don't rely on the DoorDashes and ones like that as, as much as many people, but a lot of you don't rely on the last mile courier ones like I do. So, you know, I love the mileage. On my mileage, it's probably going to come out a lot higher um, you know, I've done rideshare since 2015, but even with the last mile couriers uh, doing a lot of these long ones, I'm going to have a lot more than a delivery driver, but the delivery drivers are still going to have a lot of miles that they claim. So you guys just be ready, you know, because Sergio and I had talked to somebody who basically had their house in order. They were collecting their earnings versus the mileage 
versus everything they're writing off, their expenses, this, that, the other. And when and they were doing it in the way that even Sergio and I would recommend to these people to do it. But when it came time for a state audit, now it will also depend on the state you live in. But when it came time to a state audit in Oregon, these drivers who are doing the same things that we do were found to be out of line. <clears throat> Excuse my voice, people. So I guess, you know, with that, we need to define this space and quickly. Uh, because, look, we've been, we've been doing this since, you know, I mean, Travis launched in what, 2009? So we've been, the gig economy, the app-based gig economy has now been around for 15 years. And it doesn't have a definition. It just still kind of calls it independent contractorship, assumes that you know everything that that means. And again, guys, if you ever have questions, you can email me, steve at rideshare-rodeo.com. Uh, if you have any para questions, please email me at steve at withpara.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done here. Basically, the definition is what I believe is most important right now. A definition, even by your state, would be amazing. Um, but I think that the, another thing that that we would like to see, even if you do delivery, I think it would be to your advantage if in your state you see that the legislation, because we're all going to see legislation. It's all going to look different, too. But if your legislation starts off by looking into the rideshare industry first, I feel like you're going to be in a much better place after the legislation happens, because that those are the states that will get much better data before they come after the food space. The ones who are just coming after the app-based gig economy as a whole, those are the states I'm, I have the most concern for. And we'll dive into that next week even deeper. Um, but with losing my voice, guys, for this week, uh, that's a wrap. Please be safe, earn smart, and we'll see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.